Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm producer and host Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here, and especially happy because today I get to speak with J.P. McDarris. He's the Director of Business Development and one of the members of the leadership team of the Entrada Group in Mexico. J.P., I've had the pleasure of speaking to two of your other colleagues, and we have been waiting a long time to get you on the show. So would you please do me the honor of introducing Introducing yourself, a little bit about your background and what do sure. you do at Entrada. Welcome, JP. Sure. Thank you very much for that welcome, Bonnie. Um, well, I, I am a architect by trade. I have a master's degree from uh, the University of Texas at Austin. Um, I have been practicing architecture in both the U.S. and Mexico for for uh, probably around 12, 15 years. And, um, you know, I, I, I've spent Eight years living in Mexico, I was actually a professor there as well, teaching um, at a university, uh, architecture and design, and I've been working with Entrada Group since uh, 2010, and it's, uh, you know, it's been quite of an experience, and and if you asked me, uh, you know, in my early 20s, what I would be doing in my 30s and 40s, I would have never have guessed it would be this, (laughs) so it's fun. Interesting. I would have never told you I'd be a radio show moderator and producer either. I'm considered an early woman in tech, JP, talking about what we originally, I was a programmer analyst back in the key punch days in the 1970s. I didn't tell you when. Back in the days of mainframe, mainframe computers that might have been the size of one of the, the manufacturing floors of, right. of some of your facilities at, at that Entrada Group sponsor. So, JP, I have a personal question for you. I hope it isn't too personal. But yes, ma'am. Do you remember? Oh, don't call me ma'am. No, do, you okay. rem- ah, do you remember your first car, make, model, year, color? I do. And anything interesting, was it a hand-me-down? Was it a, I had to take my paper route for five years to get the money to pay for it? Sure. What, was, what was your experience? And then we're going to talk about your favorite cars. Go ahead. It was kind of a special car for two reasons. Uh, one, my, my grandmother, McDerris, she, she passed away and she left to my brother and I the 1988 Super Sport Cadillac Eldorado Coupe. It was two-door. Uh, I believe it had a 5.4, 5.3-liter motor. And, uh, you know, what wasn't so special were some of the speeding tickets. But it was an awesome car. <laughs> My mother soon took it away uh, when I went to college and, and gave me uh, a 92 Ford Explorer, which couldn't go too fast. But that was my first car. It was maroon, maroon with a khaki rag top. Wow. It was fun. <laughs> it, what a beautiful car. Wow. Very interesting. Now, rumor has it, uh, a little birdie at Entrada told me that today the name of the car that gets you all going is Bronco. So tell yes. us a little bit about your, your passion for Broncos, JP. Yeah, I've, I've wanted one since around the time I inherited that Cadillac. Um, 
I have a 1967 Ford Bronco. It's uh, springtime yellow, which is a, for those of you that are Ford fanatics, that's probably one of the original 60s Ford colors. Um, three on the tree, which means it's, it's, it's standard on the, on the column. It's my, my daily driver, and there is a car seat in the back of it for a four-year-old. So it's, it's fun. It's a passion, um, and it starts every day, so I guess I'm doing okay. Family-friendly car. Yeah. Quite a leap of faith going from an architecture degree into automotive. Is there, a, are there is a dotted line? If you wanted to inspire someone about thinking from their first degree out of the box to something that's completely sure. different, and just, just a couple of, of words, because this is the age, the resignation era, I understand. People are rethinking what they want to do with their lives, where yeah. they want to make their livelihood. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, architecture really gave me a, a license or gave me a degree in what I call creative problem solving. Um, and, and it was very fascinating. That, you know, UT had an amazing school, really good facilities. We had 3D printers, CNC machines. We had a lot of things that you'd probably find on a manufacturing floor. Um, and I think not only buildings, but I really got into furniture and production of, of just Things, not so much big scale buildings, but smaller items. Uh, we, we would make toys. We would make, uh, you know, chairs. Uh, it really was just about being creative. So it's kind of a natural fit that going to a manufacturing floor and watching how fishing rods are made. It's pretty cool. I really enjoy that. Very interesting. Thank you for that. I, I love the way you, you framed it in terms of problem solving and creativity. That's what people, I think, are looking for today, Any, anywhere, whoever works anywhere. We want to be part of solving something, making something happen. Speaking of that, let's talk about what's happening in the labor force. You've been kind sure. enough to send me a couple of topics for our conversation today, JP. I'd just rather talk about cars with you, but we'll, we'll get to this. <laughs> so uh, let me just read this first statement, and this is what's on everybody's mind. Besides the the chip shortage, which everybody's talking about, labor, labor, labor. So you say American and European automotive manufacturers and suppliers are having an incredibly difficult time finding labor. However, we're talking to you, the Entrada Group. In Mexico, there is no shortage of labor as long as you know where to look. There's got to be magic in that sentence somewhere. So why don't you tell me what the magic answer is? Go ahead, sure, JP. Sure, thank you. No, that, that is correct. Um, today we have in, in, our, in our largest campus, we have two campuses. Um, this one in Zacatecas, we have just around 4,500 employees um, that are working there. And the majority of those are actually direct labor or, or what we would consider blue collar labor. Um, and they're working the, primarily for automotive suppliers, tier one and tier two. Um, I would say the magic in that is, um, you know, we say there are many Mexicos in Mexico. Uh, this location just happens to be one of the, the stronger locations for, for suppliers that are maybe more small to medium-sized family-owned companies. Um, there's not a lot of competition for the labor. And that, that's one of the reasons why we have set up in, in specific communities um, that sort of you know, prevent larger OEMs or, or car manufacturing assembly plants uh, to come in and, and absorb all the labor. So it, it really is uh, on top of, you know, both locations are extremely beautiful locations. I, I spend a lot of time there. Um, it's one of the places as well where you can find people that really, they want to work. They, they're very interested in manufacturing. They're very interested in uh, uh, in the types of jobs that are offered. It's 
it's a little bit different than the U.S., and, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. And and JP, I understand I, I saw an article you wrote. I don't know whether you call it a white paper or an article, a blog. And the title was or is Help Wanted, Why Mexico is the Answer. And you say comparing labor shortage in the U.S. auto sector to the situation in Mexico is like a look into two different worlds, as more and more sector manufacturers have discovered. And you describe the second place, which is Mexico. You say, think about a country where manufacturing is a desirable profession. Three generations of workers from the same family produce side by side on the shop floor, where the average auto sector worker is in their 20s and 30s. And I'm going to say parenthetically, and they want to be there. And where there is no labor shortage, if you're picturing Mexico, you are correct. Correct. How do you find these people? What what is is there a silver bullet? Is it the fact that they're part of perhaps the digitization digitalization of the process? Are they making decisions on an iPad? Are they helping to direct a robot on a shop floor? What's exciting about it for them, JP? No, that's that's a fantastic point that you're bringing up. So obviously, a lot of the people, different ranges of backgrounds, uh, you know, everything from middle school, high school, college degrees. And I think coming into a workforce, working for some of these automotive suppliers, you're absolutely correct. They're getting in front of touch screens. Um, they're learning new skill sets. A lot of them are learning English for the first time on the floor in the plant. They're learning how to read it. They're learning how to speak it. Um, it just gives, I think, new challenges that these people are, are very interested in having that they would have never had, say, in the agricultural sector or even in the mining industry. So I think a lot of it has to do with um, with, with new opportunities. And uh, there's so many really cool, fantastic stories of knowing people that have been uh, living there eight years, knowing people physically on the floor, um, see them advance in the company to where one of the, the, the ladies that I knew, she was sent to Belgium to train um, with her company that she was there for. And then obviously they sent her to work with their clients, Volkswagen um, in Tennessee and in Mexico and, and outside of Puebla. Um, it's really interesting to see the opportunities that develop for these people. Very, very interesting. Uh, I had heard in, I, I have done a show with SAP for many years, a radio show. It was called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. And two years ago, we changed it. We expanded the focus to the future of mobility and manufacturing. And I remember somebody saying that automotive was attracting younger people. No longer was it the shame from the Charlie Chaplin days of working in a smoke-filled or a, a dirt-filled factory. It was kids were coming home and saying, I really had a great day. I'm working on the shop floor, automotive and other manufacturing, I was part of decision-making. I was part of what was happening. We've got robots and we've got things moving around the floor automatically. And the parents, JP, the parents were saying, I'm proud that my child is working in automotive. It wasn't a, my kid could only get a factory job, duh. It was, wow, look at the exciting career they have. Let's talk a little bit about Entrada Group and what you do, the facilities, the campus, how you help manufacturers, because every time somebody listens to one of our Automotive Insiders episodes, we cannot assume they've heard the previous ones. So just in case somebody was very, very remiss and didn't listen to Paul Karen and some of the other people from Entrada, why don't we do a little level setting and tell them sure. exactly what, how is the company set up, what do you do, what are the advantages, and what do you provide? Talk to us. Sure. Um, so obviously when, when suppliers, companies are interested in coming to Mexico, uh, Mexico can be a very daunting place as far as setting up a business, um, mm-hmm. obviously knowing where to find labor, where knowing 
where to find all the items that you need to be successful in a country like Mexico. In Trada Group, what we do is we are what they call a shelter operator. Um, we offer what is called a base of operations. In this base of operations, you know, for example, our clients, they piggyback on our legal infrastructure. Um, we have the facilities that we lease to them. We have a suite of services that all of the Mexican general administrative services were able to deliver. Um, and, and essentially, not only taking away that overhead from the cost, but being able to invest additional monies into the expertise in these individuals. So really, when you know you see the logo, it says Mexico delivered. I would say at the end of the day, our clients are concerned about delivering a quality product to their client. We're concerned about delivering Mexico and all the advantages and benefits to them. In a nutshell, that's what it is. Very interesting. Mexico delivered with a comma. I like that. I've, I've never seen a, is that a mission statement? Would you call it a mantra, a logo? What would you call that? Yeah, I, I guess it's our, it's sort of our, our logo with a tagline. And, um, it, it, you know, everyone originally, when they would see Entrada Group, I was, initially I was working with a lot of German automotive suppliers when the German companies were moving pretty mm-hmm. much more so into Mexico than U.S. suppliers. And, uh, at the end of the day, you know, they, they knew Entrada was a Spanish word, group is an English word. It sort of didn't make sense to them. So I think Mexico delivered um, was our way of sort of expressing, you know, this is, this is where we're located. This is what we're doing. So uh, it just sort of helps out. Um, I don't know how, you know, how it is in, in sales and marketing. Things are changing all the time. Um, hopefully this sticks around a little bit longer. Brevity is always in fashion, I'll tell you that. But what I have to tell, most of the people who hear this will hear the audio on Voice America Business Channel on our, our, our homepage for OESA Automotive Insiders, JP. But for those who will see the video, we will have a short version that we hope you and your colleagues, and I know that OESA will post on social media. I'm intrigued that in the word group following Entrada, the O looks like a wheel with a lot of spokes. I'm not sure what else. I can't see because it's small. What else is coming out of the top of that it, oh tell me it actually it's very interesting it is a compass and and uh yeah it it, it is a I compass thought it was a wheel oh my well, <laughs> it, it looks yeah it, it it is a compass and um uh i i understand the spokes and, and the, the movement in there uh essentially it, it's it's pointing in the right direction it, it's it's hopefully telling suppliers and, and everyone else that are looking at a place like mexico this is sort of the guide um, to make sure you go in the right direction. So, yeah. Couldn't be better. <laughs> I should have made it larger. <laughs> I'll take a look. I'll take, I took pictures. I'll take a look. Sure. JP, let's talk a little bit beyond automotive. I know we're on Automotive Insiders, but I know you want to share with us some information about sure. why Mexico is a choice for other types of manufacturers. And there are a couple of key statistics you want to talk about. So sure. let's just share some of that information and then we'll wrap up with your advice to okay. automotive manufacturers, suppliers about where you think this is all going in terms of overcoming, surmounting, or meeting the challenges of labor, labor challenges these days. So go sure. ahead, JP, talk to us. We, we have uh, not only automotive suppliers, but we have a, a, a nice sort of uh, a good fit of members who are medical device, aerospace, um, electronics manufacturers. And even more so today, we're seeing a lot of companies that have been in the Asia's producing for 30 years, plus 30 years, um, they're, they're starting to obviously look at Mexico, uh, not necessarily for, for labor availability, but for the proximity to market. Um, 
you know, medical devices become a big one. I mm-hmm. think we're learning the importance of, of having uh, items for, for medical use closer to home and, and why that's important. Um, and, and oddly enough, you know, during the pandemic, fishing was one of the, the big items for, uh, for people basically getting outside and staying away from crowds. And, and uh, we have a fishing rod manufacturer who, who was able to sort of double their sales in business through the what? pandemic. And, and, you know, this originally was being made in South Korea and it was being subcontracted. So obviously for them, it was sort of, thank God we made the decision to move this closer to home, um, you know, at the right time. And, and even today they're, they're busting at the seams. And a lot of that is not only because we're able to find labor, uh, not only for the proximity, um, you know, but obviously it's a sport that people are, are really taking advantage of, uh, in, in a time where, where it makes sense to get outside and, and enjoy your life. So, yeah. Who knew? It sales <laughs> doubled during the pandemic. Every, everybody wants to be them. <laughs> yes, yes. But other than the distilleries that decided to make hand sanitizers. And and that's very interesting because on many of my, my business radio shows, I, I host about technology, about business strategy, JP. We talk about being digitized. Other people say digitalized. Business transformation, digital transformation, how nimble is your company? How much agility do you have? What right. is the culture for change management? And and how tolerant are you of change? And change, as we know, the old tried and true statement, change is the only constant, haha, but it's true. It's right. true. So it sounds like there was a natural fit there in the fishing industry to, that makes sense. So, JP, would you kindly share some insights? Do you have any predictions for where we're going with this labor shortage? Is it going to get better? Is Mexico the main solution? You can say yes if you want to. And, and <laughs> what, what other advice would you have for suppliers from your very unique vantage point, not only working in Entrada, but from your creative problem solving, your architecture sure. background? Talk to us. Sure. Um, well, you know, I, I see obviously there, there's a lot of automation that's going to come into place. Um, automation, you know, the, the way that I see it in certain items, we still have automation in Mexico where it makes sense. Um, in the U.S., there are going to be more companies that are, that are going to implement this. Um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, Mexico for today, yes, is a, is a fantastic problem solver for the labor, labor availability issue. Um, what I would say uh, as of tomorrow, you know, Mexico, I think, is going to help solve a lot of additional problems. For instance, a lot of the manufacturers that are still in Asia – uh, you know, $25,000 for a shipping container. Uh, I don't know how many weeks now, months that that product is sitting um, on the ocean or in ports. Yes. And, and as I feel like the, the labor availability, you know, people, they have to go back to work. They, they, they're going to have to start sourcing new careers and figuring out what they want to do. Um, so I don't think this is going to last forever. But in the long term, I think that Mexico can help resolve a lot of other issues that we're, that we're going to face as a country. Um, you know, so, but, but I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I, I love vehicles. I love cars. I love old cars. Uh, obviously the thing that, that I, I enjoy probably came out of Detroit in sixties, late sixties. Um, it's, it's Detroit steel as they call it. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the trend and what we're going to start seeing more is the pride, uh, in made in USMCA. But yes. what, yeah, I think that's, I think that's essentially what, um, I could tell people today as advice is, 
you can't necessarily look at it as made in America only. Um, eventually in the future, we're going to have to work together as partners in, this, in these countries to sort of keep things local, keep them home. Um, and it will be made in USMCA. Thank you. I have another personal question just dawned sure. on me before we finish up. Let's say in the next three years, do you see yourself going to an all-electric vehicle? That's a tough one. Um, uh-huh. I, I love I love the rumble of a uh, of a nice uh, Flowmaster forty series muffler from a combustion <laughs> motor. Uh, uh, my neighbor has a Tesla. The first thing he did is he put me in the front seat and he went as fast as he could down the road. And uh-huh. and obviously those things move. Yes. Um, the, the the Mustang version of the electric car they're beautiful. They're they're absolutely cool. Uh, I just have a hard time. I, I like maybe they'll have to put a, uh, a soundtrack together so you it, it sounds like you're you have a combustion motor. Isn't that an interesting answer? I, I have another part to that question. Part two. Sure. We talked about EVs. Now let's talk about autonomous. Would you ever be the cargo in a car that did not require you to do anything at the point where they are ninety nine point nine 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 percent safe, where you are comfortable, where there is an sure. industry standard. Would you? Could you see yourself? I, I could see myself. I see advantages to it. Um, I lived in Los Angeles. I know traffic. And, and this is even from <laughs> 2005, 2006. Uh, definitely in, in, a, in that type of situation, I would love to just turn my brain off drink my coffee, take a nap, you know, do whatever I had to, send the emails. I think it totally makes sense. Um, on the flip side, right now, the vehicle that I drive, there's no cell phone talking. There's no Bluetooth. There's no drinking coffee. Um, there's three pedals on the floor. You know, there's a shifter on the column. And and I really, I like that uh, being, feeling a part of the vehicle and being that engaged in it. So I can understand both sides of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, with, with the, the type of traffic that we're starting to deal with in cities, I understand the autonomous driving. I get Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have the car keys to my combustion engine car in my hand for a long, long time. I will tell you that there is an engineer at Boston University who's working with the team to use machine learning algorithms mm-hmm. to have cars learn from other cars in scenarios they're creating where they're taking them on the streets of Boston and Cambridge. I lived in Cambridge, Mass. for a while, and you've got these roundabouts, these rotaries where there are five roads converging, and everybody looks at each other like, you're supposed to go first, am I supposed to go first? It was a nightmare. (laughs) Anyway, I was safe, but it was a nightmare. Anyway, the cars are learning by observing the behavior Mm -hmm. of cars and people, and the question is, is that a raindrop or is that a tornado, and is is my car going to be swallowed up by a hurricane? Oh, it's just a raindrop, how they see, how how the cameras on them see. But they're up to, and this may be good news, JP, for the industry, they're up to a 92% correct, proper, safe driving level, which isn't too bad. It's not there yet. But they found that these cars are able to, in scenarios, in uh, in. Hall, uh, shall we say technology scenarios or virtual mm-hmm. scenarios, they're able to drive down straight roads where they were trained and to learn from cars and weather and people in other scenarios where there are more turns and more shifts in the route or the route, as you might say, uh-huh. and they're able to navigate. So it is coming along. And this is cars learning from cars, not people feeding the algorithms, cars feeding their own algorithms. So right. that's an exciting new field. How are EVs and autonomous coming in, in Mexico? Is there any appetite for those? 
There, there is. I think the biggest issue, the biggest challenge that Mexico faces is the infrastructure of charging stations. Yes. Um, that, that is a big issue. I even see it in, here in the Southwest. It's really funny. I have friends who drive Albuquerque to Denver, Albuquerque to Phoenix. And there's really funny things where they'll leave Albuquerque on their way to uh, Denver. They have to stop in Santa Fe for about 30 minutes to charge. And then they can basically do the rest of the, the route to, to Denver. So, um, you know, if we're having those types of, of uh, I wouldn't call it a hiccup, but those types of, of uh, issues that we have to deal with here, Mexico, um, you know, probably places like Monterey, Guadalajara, Mexico City, Puebla, they're going to have more availability of the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be more difficult when you want to travel over 300, 400 miles to other locations. I would say that's the challenge. And we had a, a real estate attorney here on Automotive Insiders a couple months ago. I interviewed a woman who, and we were asking her, real estate attorney, what are you doing on an automotive show? And she said she specializes in the questions of ownership of the real estate for where the where the charging station is. Does it go in a Walmart parking lot? Does it go in a right. Costco parking lot? Does it go on the side of a road? What happens? Do you sit in your car? Do you shop somewhere? How do you... ADA compliance, Americans with Disabilities Act. Are they safe? Is there a ramp? What do you do? How long does it take? What kind of charging? How fast is it? Oh, uh, yeah. it, it, it is an entire new area of law as to the ownership and the rules and regulations of that part, that little part of the world. Where are they going to be? And I know that apartment buildings are now putting in charging stations uh, that are like a household battery that you yeah. can get. Overnight, it'll give you 30 miles. The next day, that's it. That's it. You ain't, you ain't taking a long trip on that charge. <laughs> oh no. Well, it's it's interesting what what Ford. I, I heard this the other day. Uh, I thought this was just brilliant because most Ford dealerships are right off of the major freeways and interstates. So Ford, that's essentially where they're gonna where they're gonna house a lot of their charging structures, which totally gets rid of negates that whole yes. legal. And, and they're everywhere. I mean, you think about where the city you're located in. How many Ford dealerships uh, are there? So yes. it makes sense. And it will catch on with other dealerships, yeah, too. definitely. With auto parks. We have one here in, in Raleigh-Durham area where I live, and you drive in, and there must be 15 different vendors, different dealerships, and you just keep going. The one I use is all the way at the end, but it's just yeah. parking lots and parking lots. And think of that as, as charging heaven, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe oh, I yeah. said it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, though. I like that. I'm someone's going to gonna, charge someone's land. going to steal that from you. Oh, no, you and I, you and I, and Trotter's, I'll give in Trotter the copyright on that, but it's going to be like, where are you going? I'm going to Charger Land. Charger Land, that's right. <laughs> J.P. McDara, such a pleasure. I was so looking forward to speaking with you, and everybody in Entrada Group is wonderful to speak with. You're all so smart, and the most important thing is you're engaged and committed to the good work you're doing, and that's what we love to hear about here on Thank Automotive you. Insiders. A pleasure. Don't go away. We'll chat afterwards. I'm Bonnie DeGram signing off. Shout out to Drew. Rhodes at OESA for facilitating this and Ms. Deanna Ratiz who is not with us today but Deanna is always so helpful in getting everybody from Entrada on board with us and Deanna thank you so much. I hope you're having a good whatever you're doing this weekend. Bonnie DeGram signing off. JP Wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. 
Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.